All right. <laughs> Our scripture this morning comes from Luke's gospel. It is chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. Hear now these words from Luke's gospel. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of God's word. Let us pray. Father God, such strong words from your son Jesus. But Lord, we know that he was on a mission your mission. So, Father, may we see and know our own mission here in this place that you have placed us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The Selma to Montgomery march was part of a series of civil rights protests that occurred back in the 60s, around 1965 in Alabama. It was a march that year that was part of an effort to register black voters in the South. Protesters marching the 54-mile route from Selma to the state capital of Montgomery were confronted, though, with deadly violence from local authorities and white vigilante groups. That historic march Martin Luther King participated in that year. And it was to raise awareness to the difficulties faced by black voters and the need for a National Voting Rights Act. That march is celebrated and it is reenacted year after year. In fact, just last weekend, they participated once again in that historic march as they crossed the Edmund Pettus Bridge there in Selma. But many, many, many years before that Selma march, there was another remarkable young man, just 33 years old, 
who started on a march. Like the march to Selma, this march was unstoppable. It was not appreciated then, and I dare say it's not much more appreciated today. So this morning, I want us to go back in our mind's eye, if you will, to Palestine, to visit Jesus' unstoppable and often unappreciated march to Jerusalem. Jesus began his march to Jerusalem from Galilee. As he headed south, the Pharisees began to warn him that Herod wanted to kill him. And they urged and encouraged Jesus to leave that area at once. Now I had to stop a minute here. Because there was something very wrong with that picture. Never have I seen in the scriptures where the Pharisees were truly concerned about Jesus' well-being. They had wanted to kill him from the very beginning. So why should they warn him about Herod? And truth be told, we really don't know the answer to that question. Maybe they made up that story to scare Jesus into hurrying on to Jerusalem. Maybe they too had a sense of what was going to happen there. Maybe it truly was a plot by Herod to get Jesus out of his territory. We hear in the scriptures that when Herod heard about all of the things that Jesus was doing, that he became afraid. He thought perhaps that John the Baptist had come back to life. Sounds a little bit like a guilty conscience to me. There was a scary thought for Herod because he himself had been the one that had orchestrated and ordered the death of John the Baptist. And while we don't really know exactly what was going on, Jesus himself was unfazed. He was unfazed. He said to the Pharisees, and I love this, Go tell that fox, I will drive out the demons and heal people today, tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must keep on going today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem I think that Jesus' reply spoke volumes both to the Pharisees and to Herod. He showed them that he was not afraid of either one of them. And why should he be? 
He had the power to cast out demons. Sure, Herod was crafty like a fox. And he may have arranged the death of John the Baptist. But that was not going to cause Jesus to change his plans one bit. He could continue to drive out the demons and to heal the sick where he wanted, when he wanted, and no one, no one was going to stop him, not even Herod. As for the Pharisees, they would get their turn soon enough but not until Jesus himself was willing for that to happen. Of course, the Pharisees and Herod weren't the first ones to try to stop Jesus in his tracks. Remember last week when we were in the wilderness with Jesus? And how Satan tempted Jesus there. In one of those temptations, Satan showed Jesus all of the kingdoms of the world. And he promised to give Jesus those kingdoms if he would only bow down and worship him. Now, was that a tempting thing for Jesus? Sure it was. Because after all, he was human, remember? He was fully human and fully God. So could he have been tempted by that? Absolutely he could. Absolutely. Satan wanted Jesus to think that he was offering him the easy way out instead of having to put up with all of the trials and the tribulations that were going to be facing him as he moved on towards Jerusalem. He wanted to show Jesus how he could enjoy the power that he had been given. But we know, thankfully, that Jesus blew off Satan just like he blew off the Pharisees and Herod. There was absolutely nothing that could be done to Jesus to stop his march to Jerusalem because he knew it was there that he would die for the sins of the world. He knew that his death could and would bring peace to the world. But he again was unappreciated and unaccepted. And the people simply did not see. And it broke his heart. It broke his heart. Listen to his words. 
O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to you, how often I have longed to gather you children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. You see, Jesus had attempted to gather his children together under his protection. Under his protection. But many refused. Just like today, perhaps. People like the Pharisees thought that they could get to heaven on their own terms. They could do it their way, if you will. <laughs> Some, like the unrepentant thief on the cross, chose to mock Jesus, to laugh at him. It's interesting that when people begin to hear that Jesus wants to gather them together and to protect them, their first impulse is to run in the other direction. To run in the other direction. Because they don't want to be controlled. They don't want to be told what to do. And when people have that kind of thinking that shows their misunderstanding completely of Jesus' intent. When Jesus describes himself as a hen that gathers her chicks under her wings, he's describing not how he wants to control us, but how he wants to protect us. <laughs> protect us from ourselves, which is so often the case. That's what it means when Christ gathers us under his wings. He stood over us on the cross. And he died a horrible death. Just so we would not have to. Just so we would not have to. And to think that that's uh, Jesus' idea of controlling us, that's crazy. As they would say today, that's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. I want you to think for a minute, and we might have done some of this the last couple of weeks, when there's a tornado warning in the area, do we just continue to go about our business? I know in our household, and even growing up, when we had a tornado warning, we went straight to the basement, right? You went to your safe place. Now, was that a foolish thing to do? No. That's the smart thing to do, to protect ourselves. And that's kind of how Jesus wants to protect us as well. 
When God's law tells us those things that we are to do and those things that we are not to do, that's not his way of controlling us. Those are his way of protecting us, of protecting us. You see, God's law is the secret to a happy life. I didn't say a trouble-free life, but a happy life. Do you remember when you were growing up how much easier it was to obey your parents? Yeah, that's me saying that. <laughs> I was not always known as one who always obeyed my parents. But life sure was easier when I did. <laughs> life is a lot more peaceful when you remain faithful to your spouse. And again, it's not about the control. It's about protection from the hurt and the heartache that betrayal can lead to. Life is much more simple when you're not constantly striving to get ahead of the Jones or to get more things and bigger things and better things. Isn't it more peaceful when you can appreciate what God has gifted you with already? God's law is kind of like a guardrail on the highway. <laughs> the guardrail doesn't restrict your car, does it? But it keeps the car from veering off and maybe sometimes going over a cliff. Many times we have been tempted to put God's relationship on the back burner. We think, I'll deal with that later. Or I'll get good with God later on. <laughs> A word of advice. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't put it off till later. Trust me, you need him now. <laughs> You need him now perhaps more than any other time. Going out on your own is very dangerous. We feel that way about our kids, don't we? God's no different. God is no different. Jesus' 120-kilometer march to Jerusalem might not have been as impressive and news-catching as the march on Selma. But it was much farther reaching. Because he didn't just go to Jerusalem to prove a point or to make some changes. 
he marched to Jerusalem and then to hell and back to save and protect you from the world. Jesus marched to make a name not for himself, but for us, so that we might be called children of God. Now that is a march worth remembering and celebrating. Amen, amen. and amen. Let us pray. Father God, we do remember Jesus' time on that road to Jerusalem. Lord, how he let nothing get in the way of his mission and his purpose. Lord, inspire us today to be just that dedicated to the mission and the purpose that you have given each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord, for your plan and your will for each of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.